to hear your favorite funny people paired with wine? Want to just hear them whine about something? Hi, I'm Ellen Clifford. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. We're the hosts of The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. We've had Morgan Murphy. Drew Drogi. Brian Safi. Charlie Tanners and Camille Knox. Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Melanie Linsky. They all told us their wines. And we told them about wine. It's totally boozy study hall. So get it everywhere you find your favorite podcast. That's The Wine Situation. Wine Wine with with an an H. H. Cheers! Boardwalk Audio Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm Stephen Perlstein, and today we've got James Mastriani on the show. You may know James from the UCB house team Outside Dog, or his former Herald team, The Ruckus. He's also on the iOS house team Orpheus Roy. Uh, Guys, this is a really great episode with some thoughtful, analytical talk about improv. This episode has some great thoughts on the Herald structure and ways to approach the scene, like when to use analogous or time dash. And we also talk a good bit about what makes coaching work. So sit back, get ready for a great conversation that can only be had between two people with an improv obsession. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. And today on the show, we've got a great guest, James Mastriani. James, welcome. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming Glad on. to be here. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, I've seen you around the improv community for as long as I've been here. And I know you've been around even longer than that. Uh, but you guys may know James from, uh, I guess, former Herald team now. Or how does that work? Do you guys lose your Herald team status? We do. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah um, Outside dog. Is outside what I was dog. Yeah, we were to. a Herald team, and yeah. then I guess when you get graduated, yeah, it's a little different in LA. But in New York, it's like you're a house team uh, and then a weekend team. But out yeah. here in LA, I think it's just more house team based. Yeah. So you're well, you're a house team then. So house team, outside dog, and then former Herald team, the Ruckus, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, Orpheus Roy. Orpheus Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all Ju- great teams. All. Worth checking out, right? Oh yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Uh, I, my my uh, my earliest memory of uh, of uh, I think it maybe even ever seeing you do improv was with my fr- one of my first improv teams. Uh, we did a we did the Harold Cage match at okay. IO West, and we were against you guys, at Orpheus Roy, and we were like, uh, we were just out of four hundred one, and we got like decimated, and we were like heartbroken by it. We're like, this isn't fair. They're so funny. Oh <laughs> man, uh, it was heartbreaking. Uh, but I was like, I mean, yeah, they were better. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, so unevenly matched. I, was that during that would <laughs> like have been the, during the festival? Yeah, right? during yeah. The, com- the improv comedy festival at IO. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was so That's fun. so funny. Yeah. That, we that were, had to have been, God, that must have been years, like yeah. five years ago. It was probably right? about five years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. That was the first time. It was great. Uh, Dave, I remember Dave Tooney playing an accidental homeless uh, person. <laughs> like he was, like people were thinking he was homeless, but he wasn't. Uh, great. It was a very funny show. You guys are good. Um, all right. So let's, uh, first off, I guess let's just get a little bit of context about you. Uh, I guess when you meet people or uh, when people ask, like, what do you do? How do you describe yourself? Uh, comedian? writer, improviser, actor, what, what do you Oh, that's a really say? good question. Um, 
you know, it, it depends on um, it depends on like I think where I'm at. Yeah, uh, that's I think that's probably true for everyone. Yeah, it's a, if, <laughs> if if it's here in LA, yeah, then I describe myself. I'll say I'm an improviser, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm also a writer, an actor, or whatever. But I think people here in LA know that if you're an improviser, you also write and act. Right. Um, if I'm outside of LA, I'm I usually say I'm a, a writer and actor. Mm-hmm. Um. I try not to say that I'm a comedian because yeah. people just don't know. People think they're stand-up. doing stand up. Yeah, for sure. And they will say, tell me a joke. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through that. Uh, I know. I know. I even have, um, I have some family friends that are coming in, like older family friends, like friends of my parents who are in their, you know, late sixties, early seventies. Right. Um, that are coming to see one of my shows in like September. Uh-huh. Um, cause they're coming out to visit my parents who live like an hour North of here. Yeah. Um, and they, I can't even imagine they, they have no idea what it is. Yeah. I can't imagine that they're going to have a great time. Like, even if it is funny, <laughs> That's I, fun. I feel like your first long form improv show. Yeah. You don't, you don't know the rules of tag outs. You, you don't, don't understand it. what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. That might, the first time my dad's on improv show, it's like, I was trying to understand like what you're doing. And like, I thought it was like funny, but I also just didn't understand what I was <laughs> yep. seeing. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in a few, you'll understand the basics. Um, didn't your dad take an improv class? He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. That's he, so funny. He took, um, he took level one with Matt Newell. Great. Uh, who's also an outside dog with yeah. me. Uh, I sort of want, like, he wanted to take an improv class after he retired um, just to see what it was like. And, yeah. Um, I, I really wanted him to take it with a friend. Yeah. Because um, I, I also teach and I've had, I've had that, like, old person in class that right. sometimes gets alienated by the younger students. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't want that to happen to my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you, when it's your parent, you yeah. like, you know, yeah. and, and so Matt took great care of him. Um, that's great. But the one thing my dad did say after that class, which made me feel really great was that, um, he had a new appreciation for how difficult, uh, improv is. Really? He said he didn't realize it. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like a lot of people, even when they're in it or like, I think early on when they're in it or, uh, especially from the outside, go like, Oh, you know, you just go say some shit and it's yeah. funny. You're like, no, no, no. Like this, yeah. it's like hard. It's, it's weirdly hard. It's very hard. Even if you just, um, I was coaching a team just, uh, last week, I think. And, um, they were uh, just freezing up at like the basics of just like starting a scene and saying words and not sounding like robots. You know what I yeah. mean? Of just going like, here's, here's a conversation. I'm like, all you have to do is have a conversation. Just add normal stuff. It's okay. Yeah. It's very hard. It, it <laughs> it's is a lot of pressure. It is. It really is. I, for, I forgot uh, how I couldn't just talk on stage at one point. Uh, yeah. 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 I sort of remember that like, I remember watching you. I mean, like you've gotten so good and like your, nice. your, you. um, your performance and acting and stuff on stage has gotten so good. Cause I remember watching you and thinking like you got the comedy stuff and you got the like, you know, like game stuff. Yeah. But that like, I think the, for a lot of people, like the nuance of, of being a human. Right. In your scenes is the thing that is the hardest thing to learn, right? You know, and takes the longest time to do. Yeah, I think that I think that's very true. The of just yeah, like just being able to yeah add 
add stuff and not sound weird or like yeah. just be be comfortable saying words. It's totally. so dumb. Like I um I think this is a thing that maybe came from you, but like uh, when, I'm, when I'm coaching and stuff, I are younger people. I think like uh, I'm like here, just when you initiate, just do some very grounded, normal. Here's the who, what, where type of thing initiation. Um, and then the person when they receive it, we're not gonna. I don't want the funny thing. Don't do the funny thing yet. And the second person just very confidently yes and that like add some shit yeah. just drop a lot of details even if it has even if you you don't know what the game is who cares i want that i like i want you guys to just set like a nice clean beginning of the scene and that's hard to do but i think a very valuable skill to just be like yeah. uh yeah i don't know like confidently adding things that don't seem important i agree man i i, I think um i think as players sometimes we rush too quickly to um we haven't even set the tone of our scene or like the rhythm of our scene. Right. And we're rushing into something unusual. Right. The, like the work, the, I mean, you're kind of without setting the world of the scene, it's very, you know, and you, you drop an unusual thing. It's very easy to just go like, well, maybe that's just this world. And like, how yeah. crazy is it? Uh, you know, like you'll come out, like if a, you know, a bad, here's a bad idea, but it's like the, a boss who's too mean. That's just, that's their game. That's what we're going to initiate. And somebody comes out and they just start fucking yelling and losing their mind or whatever. It's like, well, how crazy is that for this office? Or mm-hmm. how crazy is it for this world? Maybe this is more common. Maybe we're in a place where that's fine. Maybe this is a studio executive totally. or Wall Street or whatever. It's like, no, nah, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also nobody, you know, the other part of that, too, to me, of what you just said is like, say the a boss is too mean and coming in uh, as a mean boss. Right. Going back to that, like, nuance of... of being a human thing like nobody is something always yeah and i feel like you know if you can show the if you can sh- figure out what makes this boss mean yeah and not just have them be mean mean, mean yeah. boss always <laughs> yeah then it's going to be more interesting it's going to be their sort of like full moon you know um it. yeah yeah Okay. Well, okay. I do. We're, we're already getting into the improv stuff real quickly. I just want to rewind and we're going to go back deep into the let's improv rewind. stuff. Let's so what, uh, let's just, how'd you find your way into improv, uh, before, before improv, what was like, what was going on with James and how did you get into it? Um, that's a great question. So I was, um, I was majoring in, in theater at Kent state okay. university in Ohio. Ohio yeah. Um, and I was, I wasn't loving it and, um, I wasn't loving the program. And while I was there, I had fallen in love with stand up. Okay. And I'd started doing stand up um, in like, um, Akron and Cleveland and, um, just around the, the rust belt there. Yeah. Uh, you know, working the rust belt circuit. Uh, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I dropped out of um, I dropped out of Kent State and like decided I wanted to do stand up, um, and um, in Toronto, which is like six hours north of Pittsburgh, where I'm from, um, Humber College was, and I'm like I think I was like 19 at this point, uh, maybe yeah, 1920 something like that, and yeah. Humber College was doing a three week intensive comedy workshop where you cover each week you cover sketch improv and stand up okay fun um and at the time <laughs> it was super fun yeah I, it, and it was sponsored by second city toronto okay yeah and um uh and also the the local the local stand-up uh which i believe is called yuck yucks Great. uh is like their uh franchised you know yeah, yeah. that's where seinfeld got famous is it really? No. Oh, <laughs> I was like in, in Canada. 
Jerry Seinfeld from <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> and from yeah. yeah. All his great Quebec material. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh his his really his, his really satirical like French Canadian yeah. uh like French government hating Canada yeah. material. What's the deal with poutine? Yeah. I don't know if that's Quebec, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with poutine? Um, that's actually a valid joke. Um, <laughs> what is the deal with poutine? <laughs> it's not so much a joke. It's just something we want to get to the bottom yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, What is it? I, I got What else are we going to put on French fries is really is, is the question. Yeah. Have we reached a peach, peak French fry topping? Yeah. I, well, I think we have. I think we have. But that's what, that's not this podcast. It's for another podcast yeah. right after we're recording <laughs> yeah. the pot French fries. Um. And so while I was there, I got to see, you know, I, I took some improv stuff. I was really focused on the stand up part, yeah. por- portion of it. Um, but I got to do some improv and sketch and I got to see a second city show in Toronto, which was, which, um, at that time was, um, pretty magical to me. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, but then I went back and, uh, started saving money working for the improv in Pittsburgh, um, the up club. Right. And then I moved out to LA at 21 with the intentions of doing stand up and um at the time the improv was right next to um uh second city they shared the same building on melrose okay and if you worked at the improv you got okay. 50% off of classes at second city wow and i was like oh i have to i loved that show in toronto like i have to take advantage of this yeah and I did it. Um, Second City was probably pretty new in LA at that point, right? It was pretty new. Like, yeah, it, it, like that's a good way to. I, that's just a good way to help it grow. It's like people who are already kind of oh, interested, yeah. and yeah, and yeah. everybody that worked at the Improv took classes there. Like, yeah. I, I was like um, another person that was there who's uber famous now, Adam Devine from oh, Workaholics. Sure. Yeah, um, he was a door guy there, and he. Um, he and I both, he, he's somebody else that like took advantage of that half right. off, you know, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mark, do you know Marcus Ray? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 He, me, him and Adam all worked at the improv at the that's same time so funny. and took advantage of that 50% that's great. off. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a great little <laughs> hub right there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very cool. Um, and then I fell in love with it. I fell in love. I, yeah. I sucked at it really, really bad. <laughs> Um, didn't even pass level one. That's how bad I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Do you know why? I, I mean, just going back, I'm curious. For sure. Yeah. Uh, one, I was approaching it 100% from, uh, the standup, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I was making jokes. I was like, I was being the worst per- I was being the person everybody hates in an improv class. Okay. Yeah. 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 I yeah. know those, pre- those people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but I was so mad that I didn't pass. Because, you know, you're 21, you've got a big ego. You're like, there's no fucking way I'm not this funny. Like, I yeah. have to be funny enough to pass the level one. The funniest fucking person yeah, out there. That I, uh, that I went back and took the class again. And yeah. Just never never left. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, then I'm just curious, like, in, in the early years of you doing improv, uh, do you, what... Uh, what were things that you were maybe stronger at? Like, I think everybody tends to have a, uh, a thing that they're good at usually when they come into comedy. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, some people are very strong performers or writerly or being crazy or, yeah. uh, you know, reacting normal or whatever. Like what, did you have anything like that that maybe you remember or like, Oh yeah, I'm like crushing it at this spot. But you yeah. know, I think I always, um, I don't know. I think, I think 
two areas where I always felt comfortable was like, um, especially coming from a theater background. Like I started doing theater when I was, you know, like 10. Um, I always felt comfortable on stage and committing. Yeah. You know, like being committed to whatever, like whatever was happening. Um, so that, I guess, never bothered me. Even, even when I was being too stand up y, Mm -hmm. you know, as, um, you know, in my earlier classes, I I still was like fully committed, you know, right. um, which might have made it worse, uh, <laughs> might have made it even like more cringeworthy. It's like he just doesn't even know. He doesn't how. get it, man. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. get like he's going so hard on these jokes. Um, yeah. And, and I think I've always had sort of like a straight man um mentality, not in sexual orientation, but um, <laughs> in like, you know. Being the the reasonable one in a scene, I think I've always yeah. sort of taken that mentality and been strong at that. Got it. Yeah, um, that's interesting because I remember even I think I think you were in my first four hundred one. I'm pretty confident on that. I uh, definitely know we were in a four hundred one together. Yeah, with Billy Merritt, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Over at the uh, the lyric, the Hyperion lyric, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember that, and I remember. Uh, cause I've, I've never been a, uh, strongly committed performer, but I do remember like, I was like, damn, that guy's doing something right. <laughs> How does he do it? Oh, uh, wow. And oh, it's thanks. interesting. Cause like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I think sometimes like those, this thing that those things that you're good at tend to stay with you. I mean, um, a lot of times you think of like, uh, working on your deficits, or at least that's how I kind of tried to approach it's like, Oh, I'm not a strong committed performer. Maybe I'll try to work on that a little bit more. Uh, but it's interesting to me how, even though you're not focused on that necessarily, that, that thing that you're usually good at doesn't really go away. Yeah. Like you usually kind of come in with a thing. It's a baseline. You're pretty good at, that's not going to go away. So working on other stuff usually doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a good theory. Um, uh, yeah, why would it go away, right? I feel like yeah. it would only get stronger. Usually, like it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I can come and do this thing at the first couple levels. I think that's true for a lot of people. Usually, people who come into improv have a thing or two that they're good at, pretty strong at that. That's an improv thing, mm-hmm. and then just the, you know the other parts. It's like, well, you know. start to gain other tools. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you got to get all the other stuff in there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right, so all right, so good. We talk. I, we, I just wanted to get a little bit of background on that. Yeah, um, that's my background. That's a little bit of background. Uh, so okay, we started digging in a little bit to improv stuff, and I, I think one one thing that I think about you too is as coach. You were uh, you coached my uh, Herald Team Titan for a, a hot minute yeah. over at IO, yeah. and um, I really liked working with you guys. It's a good group. It's a yeah. good crew. Uh, it was a very uh, also a very. Uh, talk about like people who bring different strengths to that team. That was a very uh, diverse uh, approaches and strengths yep. that people had in that team. And uh, uh, it either it all it always either all complemented each other very well uh, or didn't work at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I don't know, maybe a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And but also I think with Titan as well, like I, I think just more time to work you know, the offense yeah. was going to get you guys. I mean, like that, that I, I thought that was legitimately a, a talented team. I really liked yeah. that team. It, it kept getting better. Yeah. Uh, I really, yeah, there's a, it's easy for a team to stall out pretty quick. I think on their growth, uh, mm-hmm. like you do you get, you kind of set some baselines of approaches and whatever, and then it, it'll plateau pretty quickly. But that team, I felt like constantly was getting tighter and better yeah. and tighter and better. Uh, it felt like, uh, yeah. it felt like a, a raw, like raw talent, you know yeah. what I mean? Like ready, ready to be sort of molded yeah. in a lot of ways. I agree with that. And so speaking of molding, 
uh, <laughs> again, uh, <laughs> I just think it's, you have a specific approach and I kind of want to figure out some of those, uh, why, where these, these ideas came from, why they're so, uh, important to you and just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yum. Uh, tease them out a little bit. So I guess, uh, we were just talking about, wait, what were we just talking about before I went into the. Um, before we, uh, we were talking about the, uh, mean boss. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were kind of talking about just acting like a human, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think, and going back to the commitment and stuff, obviously that's a thing that's important to you. And I think, like I said, that, um, that starting scenes of just like real grounded, real normal before we get crazy and unusual. Uh, I mean, where did that, like, where did that approach come uh, from for you and like why is that uh, important yeah um, you know I I think that that approach came from me of, of I mean a lot of it was just I think the natural growth is as both a, an improviser and a human being mm-hmm. um, as you mature you start to like see different spectrums of like people you know but um, I studied under Jim Woods for so long. Um, and he would absolutely hate to hear me say this, but, um, probably the best improviser and comedic mind I think I've ever been around. He's Um, really incredible. I mean, unbelievable, man. I I love, I think the smoke, the smokes, I'll say it over and over again. They're just like my favorite team to watch. And when Jim, Jim is, you know, never there (laughs) anymore, obviously. Uh, but when he was, I always remember being like dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that team, he's not dead. (laughs) He's okay. Uh, but that team always has, uh, have heavy hitters who do great things and are always funny. But yeah, Jim, uh, uh, always surprised me in the ability to, do things like, you know, like I said, a lot of people have different leanings or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Eugene, uh, and not to speak negatively to anything else, but like Eugene, for example, is a very committed actor and performer. He brings a lot in that, in that realm and obviously does everything else pretty damn great too. Uh, but I never, I never felt like Eugene couldn't do something just as good as anybody else who like has like, Oh, that's their thing. They're they're great at, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, so sorry, I keep going about that. Well, I remember like when I was studying a lot with Jim, he used to really get on you of like if he didn't like the if he didn't like the the part of your scene that was not funny, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the part of your scene that wasn't the game uh, where you weren't heightening the context, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. He'd always be like, why the fuck would you want to come back to this? So when you're when you're not playing the game and you're just being people living in this world, this is what you want to come back to. This yeah. is what you want to live in. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was always a harsh, but, um, necessary lesson of like, oh, you know what? And that didn't even just have to do with like, oh, you're not just always a mean, uh, boss, but it also, I think helped teach people not to be funny in their regular lot, like in their regular context without the game. Right. Right. So if we're building context, you know, it's easy sometimes for greener improvisers to like, just start trying to be funny immediately right and um be it you know voices or behavior or whatever it is um and it's just distracting from what from what your your core game is that you're trying to get started through the premise right it's it sounds like a little that the thought there is a little bit of um like uh you know, funny doesn't show on funny or whatever, yeah. that, whatever the other words that this actually used. I think there. it was Ian Roberts. Uh, blue doesn't show up on blue. Right. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is so brilliant. Uh, but that's also interesting. I've never heard anybody 
um, say anything about like having just an interesting base reality. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's blowing my mind currently right now. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard anybody go like, yeah, just make that like interesting or Mm -hmm. good or whatever I do. Yeah. I guess I've heard like, I do think you should just be specific and, uh, rich with details, but, uh, I guess, yeah. And then I guess I've heard of Jason Manzuka's quote. It's like, you don't have to be funny. You have to be interesting, but still that's good. I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess that like, so that, so then, uh, to counter that, uh, just a little bit, uh, there are, there is a philosophy out there that, uh, many people practice and, and even preach of just going like, you know, uh, right out the gate. Here's what the funny thing is. This mm-hmm. is it. Um, uh, so why not that for you? Obviously that everybody's approach is different. I think yeah. there's a, there's a, uh, that's not like a binary way of doing things. There's not yeah. only one way, but what, what, why not that for you? Um, well, I think that, I mean, that's a good question. And, and I definitely don't, I, I'm also big on texture as well. And I, I don't think that you can't start a scene immediately with the unusual thing. Right. I never do. Very rarely do I do it that way simply because I I think, um, I don't know. I think that I just feel more comfortable being able and and safe, being able to be methodical about it, thoughtful about it at the top. Um, And it helps, you know, it helps me capture a little bit more of the like setup punchline. Right. Sort of aspect of things of like, okay, audience, here's the world. Here's the setup. Here's who we are. And now punchline. Right. And, and then more punchlines are to come as we heighten, you know? Yeah. Um, I also, like I've been in that position before. I've been on the receiving end, you know, where somebody comes in with a premise. Obviously, we're talking premise here, right, but yeah. like somebody comes in with a premise, and and their only line at the top is like, let's say the unusual thing, right? right? They give no context, and you're the receiver, and you're like, okay, let me fill in all the blanks right. here. And I've always, you know, I've always felt like, and this is another thing Jim used to always talk about as well, is like initiate the scene specifically enough so that your scene partner knows exactly what you want from them. Mm-hmm. And um, not that, you know, not that you have to be a driver or not that you have to, you know, we always have to adapt, but I think that the lesson there is being so specific mm-hmm. within your initiation that your scene partner has no choice, but to go, I'm on board because I get it, yeah. you know, um, as opposed to, just offering an unusual thing and going, hey, receiver, figure this shit out, right? Right. I just said a, I just said a, um, you know, I just said a line here that, without context, is floating in a vacuum. Now yeah. You have to fill in the 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 vacuum stuff, and that's that's really tough. Yeah, I think that is the worst version. Uh, uh, I mean, the worst possible version of initiating with the unusual thing in that first line is very little context. Because yeah, mm-hmm. you do you do, and I've received the ever ever received initiation like that where you're like, okay, I get what this is. Uh, it's hard to react to it without like you have to put in the work of like, wait, okay, exactly who am I? Totally. Exactly who are you? what exactly are we doing? Like, okay. Okay. And then you have to like, it feels, it feels like you have to color in a lot yeah. and there's a lot, like there is pressure in a way because they're putting a lot there. I think in a way they're demanding you to set up the right context for totally. that game to work. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, okay, I know I can do this, but what is it? <laughs> like, yeah. You have to do a lot of math. And also like, I like to, I like to use this metaphor of, uh, of, uh, 
a werewolf or the wolf man. Okay. Um, I personally love the the phrase the wolf man because mm-hmm. it's it's just old and it makes me laugh. Um, but you know, we love the story of the wolf man because you know when we watch a movie about werewolves, we always the movie always starts in this regular guy's life, right? Right. And we know that you know he's when the full moon comes out, he's going to turn into this werewolf, right? right. Um, and just like a scene, it's interesting to start out in this regular person's life right. and watch them discover what their full moon is that's going to turn them into an unusual, have some sort of unusual behavior or, or whatever it is. Um, because again, if, if the movie started with the wolf man mm-hmm. and then it was just all the wolf man, the entire movie, right? it wouldn't be as fun. Because we wouldn't get to see, you know, this person suffer who doesn't want to be the wolf man or needs people to lock him into a cell or whatever. Um, And I I don't know. Like, I I just the nuance of that just, um, I guess, appeals to my sensibilities a little bit more. Um, uh, I'll also put two other things that I think are maybe great for that type of approach, too, is like. Uh, one, it shows a lot of confidence too. I think I, I tell people if I can, or I try to do this, if you know, if I don't have anything or I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to set things up, I try to, I really do try to sell the confidence on how sure I am with starting the scene. That's smart. Uh, cause they don't fucking know. The audience doesn't no. fucking know if I haven't figured out how to get this game out. Right. So true. Uh, and they'll, especially one that's set up very methodically, uh, or with a with a even sometimes a longer reveal. I one of one of my favorite scenes I ever did. I, I think I dropped the unusual thing very late. Yeah, like and I was, but they like there was some there was some anticipation with it and it worked really well. And I knew I knew what I was doing. I was like, I want to really reel them in on this, uh, and it worked really well. And there's some confidence to that. It's great. People love it. I love, um, that. I love that phrase you said. Like really reel them in on this. Yeah, yeah. That's a great. That's yeah. a great phrase. It's yeah. They get them invested and they love yeah. it. Uh, and then the other thing too is like uh, I think Besser talks a lot about this idea. But uh, once you kind of hit the unusual thing, uh, to find the next beat is going to your environment and setting that up beforehand so you don't have to find your environment later. Yeah. Like that's nice to just. Uh, just to be like, okay, well, we've been funny for a minute. Uh, now I know to just, if I'm this angry boss scene that we talk about, now I know that we can just talk about quarterly reports or go to the office room because yep. it's Car- or the break room because it's Karen's birthday today. You know, like we know we know some some context where we'll find more game moves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and once that boss finds their full moon of what makes them so mean or right. what makes them so angry, then they can also stop being angry or mean and wait for that full moon to come back out again. Right. You know, and, yeah. and, and that's, that helps make the comedy, I think more unpredictable. Surprising. And, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It, a lot of, I think a lot of, uh, when you're first doing it, a lot of people when they're first doing it, uh, hit a game. It's not the first unusual thing. That'll be the whole scene is the first unusual thing. And the long, uh, dissecting, negotiating, reacting to that first thing, uh, or living in it too long. Like I'm an angry, I'm so angry. I just got to do the angry. And it's, yeah. uh, it's very flat. It just gets very flat, very quick. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the surprise of it, of the resting and coming back to it is, is yeah, like yeah. very key. But that awareness of it, God, man, it takes fucking years. Yeah. It, it really does. It takes years. It's super hard. Yep. It's, it's super really hard. hard. Yep. Uh, I remember, uh, it, it, I remember him even just in Billy's class, like the, like one of the first times I think I ever really, really had a control of a game. I remember what the thing was. And I remember, 
hitting it too much in the first beat of just like one after and after another. And then the second beat, I was like, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to make them think I'm not going to do it for a minute. Yeah. Uh, and then I did it. I did the unusual thing again and it really worked. And my, even like my scene partner was surprised. I remember like his face, he was surprised because I had been hitting it so hard. We've been hitting it so hard in the first beat. And then when I didn't do it right away, he was like, Oh, well, that's weird. Yeah. And then I did. And he's like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, that, that's comedy. Okay. Yeah. I get it now. Uh, so also I want to talk to you about, um, starting Harold's like you have, um, I think you have some interesting thoughts on that too. Like, uh, I think the first practice we had on Titan, you laid out this whole, uh, insane menu analogy, which was great. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, also just like, uh, starting from, uh, what was it? Reality to not reality type Fact of thing? to fiction. Fact to fiction. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there's some stuff on, on the context of like starting heralds and uh, whatever. So talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, um, God, man. So, uh, uh, at the risk of uh, outing myself as as a super dork here, um, <laughs> I, you know, I've spent so much time thinking about the Heralds. Yeah, uh, I fucking love the Heralds. Really, I, yeah. I really do. So, so many people say like. God, I hate the Herald or I can't wait to be done with the Herald. And and I, I was always somebody that like, I mean, I started take I started really learning the Herald when I started at UCB and IO in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, just like, I don't know, there's something about the form, you know, I also feel like I was watching great teams do it. Like I was watching the last day of school every week and, you know, um, uh, back then it was sweetness and powerhouse are my two favorite IO teams. Um, and, uh, so I, I became like, I thought about the Herald a lot and like what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, and one way that I like to look at it, um, so I'll give that menu analogy yeah. first. That was fun. That was interesting. I feel like I, uh, when you were saying it, I was like, I know all this stuff, uh, conceptually, I feel very confident in the conception of it, but like that analogy is great and should be heard by more younger improvisers coming into Harold's oh, for thanks, sure. Man. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. so I mean, listen up, <laughs> listen up youngsters. Um, so I like to think of the Herald as if it's, um, Going out to dinner at a really nice restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a fancy restaurant. Um, and um, the reason why it's a fancy restaurant is, is specifically for my approach to the Herald, which is premise based from an opening. Um, you know, when you go to a nice restaurant, um, look at your opening as if it's the menu, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at most nice restaurants, you can have very little modifications. Mm-hmm. And what what that does for me is like when you're pulling from your menu, when you're ordering from your menu, um, don't change so much, right? Right? Like figure out the one or two things that you really like from the menu. And right. you know, if if lamb is on the menu, um, then why what are you, why are you asking for pad thai? Right. Uh, that <laughs> makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Right. Get the lamb. Get the yeah. lamb. And the, the just real quick the the improv thing meaning like a lot of people do a lot of work on their premise. They the thing that's funny in the opening. They do a lot of work, a lot of translating it. Okay, you know instead of instead of angry boss, it's going to be a frustrated construction worker. Jesus Christ! And you're like, yeah, it's, yeah there's a lot of dots to connect yeah, for the, like, the wow, audience. There, there's yeah. so much. At that point, the chef is in the kitchen going, I don't make frustrated <laughs> construction workers. I make angry bosses, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, so so you've got your menu. That's your opening, right? Um, and then your first beats, um, that's, your, that's your entree. That is the, to me, that's the um, most 
important part of the meal because it's the foundation of, of the whole meal, right? Um, you've got to have, you know, the building blocks of, of, of a meal, which is like your proteins, your veggies, all that sort of right. stuff. Um, and so, you know, it may not be the funnest part of the meal, but it is the foundation, right? right. Um, your first group game after that is is a palate cleanser and mm-hmm. would be the, um, what's the Italian ice cream, the sorbet? Gelato? Um, or, yeah, no, okay. I think I'm thinking sorbet. Okay. Uh, that might not be Italian. That might, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. There's either. no way to know. But fancy restaurants give you a little like sorbet. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, something to cleanse the palate a little bit. I like it. Um, and then your second beats are. Um, to me, the most fun part of a meal, which mm-hmm. is dessert. Right. Everybody is always excited about dessert. And so that, to me, is when we should be having the most fun in the Herald. Right. We can't wait to get that cheesecake right. or that fucking chocolate mousse or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and just having a ton of fun with dessert, right? Yeah. We get, um, you know... With dessert, you might get a baked Alaska that's like the, the presentation of it is is so amazing. You don't yeah. get that presentation with the lamb, no. but a baked Alaska is like on fire and they <laughs> yeah. wheel it out and it's this huge thing, you yeah. know. Um, and then your your second group game uh, would be another palate cleanser, like uh, the cup of coffee or tea that you have right. at the very end. Sort of like, you know, um, uh, starting to wrap it all up. We realize right. that we're heading out of the meal. It's pretty much over. Pretty much yeah, over. So. And then um, and then your third beats is receiving the check. Yeah. And um, you go down your check and you look at everything that you had in your meal, mm-hmm. everything you had in your Herald. And I think with third beats, your goal should always try to be not to have any new information. Right. Sort of recycling everything from the Herald. Right. So it's only what was already had. What this was already it. had. You don't yeah. want to get a check at a restaurant and be like, wait a second, I didn't have this. Yeah. I don't want to pay for this. That was on the menu, but yeah. 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 I don't know. That it shit. was on the menu, but we didn't use it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so that's sort of my, my analogy for the Herald. I like it. Uh, thank you. It's thank good. You. It's yeah. fun. Uh, also, I remember listening to it and I was like, oh, dessert is the second beats. That's interesting, but also very apt because, yeah, a lot of the times I think like you, hopefully when you're doing it right, you've really locked into the game on the first beat. And yeah. it's, now it's time to fuck with it and see if you can get it real big fun and involve a lot of people bring the fun to it totally. really bring the fun to totally it. Yeah. and if you wanted to go even deeper you could even look at it of like okay you, you can even figure out your your second beat which is dessert and and compare it to your first beat which is like you know if you have a nice pasta dish mm-hmm. you know your second beat your dessert you might be in the mood for a little tiramisu you might want right. to keep it italian you know right um or you know if you have a, a big cut of meat that's that's you know um in your first beat, that in your second beat, you might want to have like some, some, uh, uh, what's that stuff? Shepherd's, uh, pie or whatever it is. Sure. Is that, I think that's a meat pie. Is that a meat pie? I no, believe what it I, is. Oh no. Yeah. What am I thinking of? I don't know. Oh, Shepherd's I'm thinking pie. of bread pudding. <laughs> oh, bread pudding. That goes along sure. with like. That makes sense to I'm me. I'm trying to keep it British here. I get is it. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, a yeah. British dessert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, British dessert. The only one they have, I think, is their. <laughs> that's pretty much accurate. Bread yeah. pudding, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's a, Yeah, that's a really helpful way of looking at it. And again, I think that's something that 
we spend any amount of time or, you know, a good amount of time probably doing improv and uh, conceptualizing these things of what the first beat is and how to really pull from that opening and yeah, uh, probably fail many times of like, or at least for people like me, a little more writerly going like, okay, well, angry boss is like only so funny, but you know, frustrated construction worker is funnier. Uh, and then seeing it not work repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly, repeatedly, yeah. like, yeah, I guess if I just do angry boss, that's fine. Uh, yeah. and, and all the, those lessons kind of take a while to sink in, but, but that, that analogy is like, yeah, that really does kind of explain what you should be doing and how to make it happen uh, nice and clean. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You also, um, I got to watch a bit of, um, you do this workshop with Ian Roberts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. At Sunset. Yeah. Um, snuck in, watched a little bit of it. It was great. Fun. Uh, but uh, you, you did some stuff there. It was a detective. Uh, I can't remember the exact context. It was very funny though. Uh, and your second beat of it was really good and different, but you talked about how you kind of get to your second beat or like what your, uh, I guess what your process is for second beat. So can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Like what's that look like for you? Yeah. Well, you know, so with the first beat for me, um, in the Herald, mm -hmm. something we had mentioned before is like, um, I'm really big on working fact to fiction in, right. in my heightening personally. Right. Um, and I, I believe first beat scenes should be identifiable mm -hmm. and human and should exist in our world that with our rules that we are aware of. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes I, I don't know. I just as an audience member, I get pulled out of first beats where it's already like I'm already in some fucking fantastical yeah. land or something, you know, right. where we're already, you know, a. um you know, uh, half man, half bull or whatever. Right. Um, and, and, and that's just my own personal taste, I guess. Sure. But, um, for me, starting in fact, starting in, um, and earning your way to fiction in your heightening and, and the word earn to me is really important mm -hmm. in that, because I think that once you get the audience on board and once they, they trust you in those first beats and they go, okay, you know, comedy has got to be identifiable. I'm a human being. What he just did or what she just did seemed human to me. I can relate. Now we've earned the right in the second beat to do something a little bit more abstract or absurd. Right. Which um, which is what fiction means to me. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, working my way to fiction means I can now get more abstract and absurd with the yeah. work. Um, and. You know, there's there's a few approaches that I take to second beats, depending on obviously the game or or whatever. Um, but um, I always try to simplify it. A lot of times, what I try to do is keep one thing the same, change the other thing. Sure. Um, in a lot of situations, so you know, if the game is mean boss in that first one, then I'm either going to keep mean or I'm going to keep boss the same mm -hmm. in the second beat in a lot of situations. Um, even if I involve it in like a group scene in a second beat, yeah. then maybe I, you know, maybe I want to bring a bunch of, you know, um, mean bosses into um, as the, as the group. scene. I mean, that's keeping everything the same. Right. Um, but if I wanted to go mean judge, mm -hmm. you know, or angry judge with it, um, then I'm keeping one element the same and to me, that's going, um, and this is sort of a, there's so many different options here, but this yeah. is, this is where I start at to simplify it in my own, in my own stupid brain, uh, where I go, okay, you know, if, 
I'm either going to explore bosses across the world or meanness across the world. One or the other, right? Looking sure. at the game. So okay, yeah. if I take mean or angry with me, then what I'm bringing with me is that point of view and going, okay, what do other mean or angry um, – also, by the way, mean or angry is not a funny game, folks. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, say like, this is making your uh, analogy difficult, yeah, I yeah, know. it really is. Uh, yeah. it, we can easily switch this out for something else if you yeah. if you have something on the top of your head that was a, a more uh, – uh, yeah, game that you've done recently. Or, how about um, okay. how about racist mayor <laughs> oh, to make it easy? No, oh, I'm kidding. that's even worse. It's yeah. even worse. <laughs> Um, just flashback, just uh, yeah, just flashbacks of imagine being painted like as a racist mayor. Like Jesus, I don't want to do. Here we go. Yeah. God, please don't do this to me. Yeah, this is not a gift. <laughs> this is not at all. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, here I, I, this I did this to the sketch show not too long ago. It was uh, it was a focus group. It was a focus group, but everybody thought the civil, the Captain America Civil War was about uh the American Civil War. They thought they were confused that it wasn't that. So, okay, great. So there's the basic game of that. So maybe yeah. that I don't know if that. So it's like uh, that's great. Confused focus group. Mm-hmm. Or stupid, yeah. No, no. So, what do you think about that? How can we? So, how can we kind of use that little? The first thing process? that I would do going into a second beat is, it, like I said, is I I would be on the back line thinking which one was funnier to me. Mm-hmm. Do I want to think that? Do I want to pick another movie mm-hmm. and think that that's also like the American Civil War? Right. So <laughs> you know, so keeping the American Civil War the same. Yeah. Doing another focus group and showing it to them. Maybe this time I'm showing them the film, um, uh, you know, Raging Bull, right. and uh, the fun of that is they all think that it's about deep down it's about the American Civil War, right? right? Yeah. Um, or the other aspect of it is I could keep. Uh, Captain America, the Civil War, right. the same. Do another focus group, and what other event in American history do they think that it's like? Right? right? Yeah. Um, they all think that it's um, you know uh, the Challenger exploding in, in <laughs> yeah. eighty three or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think like that's usually where I start off is mm-hmm. like, it, and, and this this might be so mathematical or or you know, but it's it's my personal approach. Yeah. Um, that's usually where I start off. And then if, if I don't like, if I'm not, if I don't think either of those are really that fun or funny, then I'll usually try to see if I can put it into some sort of like group situation Mm -hmm. or genre situation. Um, you know, but with this one, like, you know, it might be the most fun because you're dealing already with like genre and films in the first beat, it right. might be fun to just go into the movie somehow yeah. in that second beat. Yeah. You if know? I'm doing the second beat, I think you got to do it in the movie. Yeah. Be, and then have like, yeah. you know, um, uh, General Robert E. Lee suddenly show yeah. up uh, <laughs> next to Spider-Man in the right. Civil War. Yeah. Um, huge spoiler alert there. <laughs> yeah, Robert E. Lee is yeah. in, in Civil War, so yeah. gotta watch out. <laughs> yeah, look out for Robert E. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a small cameo, but it's an important part. <laughs> um, okay, very good, very good. What about, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, uh, I think people ask uh, analogous or time dash, and I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's always been more of an instinct thing for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, more like I, I I figured out and I think I figured out maybe a year or two ago uh, my instinct more often than not turned into analogous unless I don't have a good a simple analogy to make it funny uh, mm, which is that's great. pretty I, I don't know if that's great I think that might have been a weak default because uh, I remember just like it, it what happened is I'd have a scene that's 
you know, or like a first, it would happen a lot. It's like a first beat that wasn't solid. So I'm like, yeah. let's just time dash it. I think I can maybe do a little bit more to like shore up the game, get it funny, whatever. Uh, but I think, uh, but now I think when I, uh, I hear people ask that type of thing, I'll just say, it's like, you know, basically I'll go time dash. If I really like the people in the scene, for some reason it was a great character. Right. Uh, yeah. otherwise I'll probably go analogous. I guess, uh, I'll probably go analogous and that's, and those are only really probably it's like, you know, sometimes yeah. I'll just go time dash. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to analog to find a good analogy for this beat. So we'll time dash it. Or I wasn't, you know, it's like, uh, I wasn't necessarily in love with it, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? What's uh, think what's a great uh, approach, man? Um, you know, for me personally, I, I simplify it usually down to whether or not I thought the first beat was paid off. Yeah. Um, if, if the game, if I felt like the game in the first beat was heightened pretty well, um, and I felt satisfied by it, then I'd go analogous. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I felt like in the first beat, I pretty much stayed in setup. You know how sometimes you'll have a first beat scene or, or a scene in general where you're just, the two characters are just talking about the game or mm-hmm. contemplating the game. Yeah, I call it negotiating the game. Negotiating the game. What a yeah. great term. I like that a lot. I might steal that from you. I might have um, stole that from somebody or maybe not, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're just, you're talking out the terms of whether or not it's okay to do it. Should one do this? Like whatever. Yep. Yeah. A lot of that. You're like, eh. To me, if that's, if you leave your first beat and that's all you have, it doesn't make sense to me to go analogous. Yeah. Cause why are you going to do two, uh, an analogous of a setup? Right. Yeah. As opposed to paying off that first beat by going time dash. That makes sense. Um, but sort of what, you, what you're what you speaking to, I remember I used to be, um, even though he and I are now on, you know, th- two of the my, my main teams that I perform on, my first coach was Brandon Sornberger, who's on Outside Dog with me and Orpheus Roy. And um, he used to have that same approach that you're talking about, which is he used to talk about, like, go analogous if you love the game. Go time dash if you love the people. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's kind of what I've uh, kind of basically formed my opinion on. It's like I think it's great. It's good characters. Like I don't want to don't want to lose them. They're, they're, so especially and I I never claim to be the great character guy, but sometimes you'll just see somebody locked into a great character, and you're yep. like, man, don't ever give this up. Don't ma- don't make us do any math. Oh, for because sure. analogous is math. I think sometimes it's I, I think it really is. It's an analogy. Yep. It's a mathy move, and some people are good at that, and like. You know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, we can math this scene yeah. into another funny, different take. Uh, and so, like, I don't know, some people flourish in that and some people just flourish yeah. in the time dash. And yeah, you got You got to kind of play it by totally. ear. Totally. Yeah. And that's why uh, when I go analogous, I like to keep one thing the same because I, I don't think I'm very good at going analogous to the point where the audience recognizes it. Yeah. I think I take it too far. Really? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think like, um, it's, that's easy to do. It's so easy to do. Yeah. And then the audience goes like, wait, what, where are we now? Right. Where you've gone so far analogous that you don't recognize the behavior or the point of view or anything. Yeah. And, um, I just think it's, it's easier for me to, um, just be, just keep just keep one thing the same. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of times analogous beats, um, I will a, a good way to know that it's probably not working or going to work as much as you want to is uh, how much setup you feel like you have to do to start it. Like if it requires yeah. a lot, a lot of setup, okay, uh, yeah. you'll be like, oh, maybe this will be too complicated or yeah. or can I do this a cleaner way that'll just really only require a line or two, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, all right, cool. Well, I think, 
I think that's the kind of the, I don't know, are there any other major things that you uh, focus on as your approach to improv that uh, you'd like to get into? I, those are some things that I, I just happen to know offhand. Um, one thing that I'm like pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty big stickler about is uh, what we're talking about, Harold's. Mm-hmm. And I really would love to encourage the world to um, differentiate group games from group scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I think that, like, I hate group scene, group games. Yeah. Um, and this is something that, you know, I think was was drilled into me by, by Susie Barrett, um, who is um, a, an absolute genius. And um, but she had such a great point about it where, you know, she she always talked about, like, if you're doing premise based scenes and you want the Herald to have texture then why would you have your group game slot, which can be anything in the world, any Mm -hmm. sort of patternization or heightening in the world. Why would you do another scene where you can now do anything you want? Yeah. Um, And then how impressive is it in those third beats when you're trying to combine scenes with these abstract heightenings, you know, these sort of dream state things that you did in the middle of the Herald and trying to thread them all together. It's so much easier harder but more interesting than trying to connect scenes to scenes you know yeah i totally get that i think it's um and i mean you know the simple answer and i know uh, i follow this too it's like well it's easy to do a scene yep uh and it's just sometimes i feel like uh you know you talk about doing abstract things it's like uh and I've been guilty of this before too. Uh, but you'll see somebody do something abstract. I totally not, we're not doing anything. Uh, and there's a instinct to pull it back to a thing that you can understand mm-hmm. and wrangle much easier. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know, like that, that's a, probably a fear thing. I, yeah. and, uh, I don't know that that's, I'm not saying that's an unfounded fear, uh, because I think sometimes you do see weird bananas, abstract group games that you're like, Oof, Oh yeah. Rough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a chance there's, there's, there's a chance for failure there yeah. for sure. But I, but I do, I do agree with that. It's, uh, but that's, I think the thing that's maybe key there is just, uh, f- from the coach or from the team just kind of going like, yeah, but we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and I think that really does set you up for, yeah, like you said, like a more impressive show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. I think so too. I think it makes your, yeah, I mean, it makes your show look, you know, there there is that risk that that could fail, but you could also still pay it off by bringing it back in the third beats, even if it does fail. Right. That's one of the things that's so great about the Herald is, is like, even when something fails, if you revisit it enough. Yeah. And make it a part of the form. It almost looks intentional. Right. You know, there's and that's well, that's I mean, I feel like that about a lot of um, improv mistakes or yeah, I think anything that comes off as a mistake, it's like, yeah, if you revisit it, right. Never was a mistake. You know, yeah. it could just be a great thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's hard, but it's hard to accept that. Yeah. It's oh, hard yeah. to go like, Oh, this piece of shit could be a giant gold mm-hmm. nugget. And I just don't know it. Yeah. Um, all right. I'd like to talk, I'd like to transition a little bit about, uh, talking about coaching. I mean, uh, I've been coaching for a little while. 
I'm okay at it, but I still, uh, I'm always like, am I doing this right? So I yeah. want to talk a little bit about like, what are, what are some of your, uh, practices in coaching? Did you have anything that you feel like, uh, is important to you? I mean, obviously I guess beyond the thing of, um, like what you're talking about, of like how you approach scenes and stuff, yeah. obviously it's still that and people that you're, you're coaching, but, um, I don't know, just ways of running the practice or, you know, starting things yeah. or, uh, you know, inspiring the kids, whatever. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Is there anything out there that. You know, I feel it just like just like as an improviser, um, I think I think my coaching and teaching styles are constantly um, evolving. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm really big on is like, um, you know, I, I like coaching to me. It's it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the relationship here is to me you know, the, the, the ensemble and the, the leader, the coach feeling comfortable in, in challenging each other's, um, belief systems, challenging each other intellectually, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think that that's really important for both, like both entities to grow, you know? Um, and you know, like for example, right now I'm coaching the Herald team Rococo right. over at UCB and, um, they, I challenge them all the time and they challenge me all the time. Right. And, and I think it's really healthy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll present to them things that I did or did not like in their show and I'll challenge them and, the, and they're not afraid to come back at me and be like, but we did this and you know, right. And, and it's a conversation, which I think, I've gotten more comfortable with over the years of, of coaching and teaching and, and actually like, I believe that it's necessary Yeah, because I always challenge coaches, right. you know, when that uh, be a question, like never in a way, when I say challenge, I don't mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me say this. I don't mean not taking a note, right? That's not what I take, take, take the fucking note. Yeah. Um, that's not <laughs> what I mean. I mean like, um, uh, by challenging, I mean like offering, we all should be independent thinkers about right. this and offering your thought on what happened or what you think, uh, really, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying being defensive no, from a note. Yeah. So I, I, th- I, I think I know what you mean here and that's, um, something I feel constantly like when coaching, it's like, what were you guys doing? What did you feel like? What? Yeah. Tell me what's going on. I want to. And, and if, if you hear a note that doesn't resonate as something you could have done or true, like I definitely want to hear why Absolutely. you think that you couldn't do that or why my way of doing it is wrong for yep. you so I can figure out, OK, well, what will work or yeah. why are you not understanding exactly what I mean by that? Totally. So if I so if I hear your, you know, your menu analogy, for example, and I'm like, well, like, how is how is, you know, the third beats checks like that's how that's not in no way really combined everything you yeah. gotta, that doesn't make sense to me and i want to find something like i want uh and i don't know that i really feel that way but you know what i mean like yeah. you definitely want to go okay i hear what you're saying uh that's good to know and like i guess what i mean is this yeah uh, and uh, talking about it yeah. yeah yeah it's like i guess i think that's right that's like a socratic approach to uh, coaching i don't know if that's true i don't uh, know that word so but i'll take your yeah, i'll take your yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh but yeah the, the questioning and the feedback of uh, yeah i think i think it's, it's fine to have a conversation and not be i mean i always go into a coaching situation being like look you know i run a very specific offense um especially if we're talking heralds like yeah. I, I run a very specific offense it might not be for every ensemble but it's it's the way that i it's my interpretation of the heralds right. um something i've spent 10 years on and um you know i trust it's worked for me and but i'm not like 
you know, I'm still malleable on it, right. which, which is, I think is important as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think, I think that to me is, is something that I value or, or, or I've gotten better about. Again, want to emphasize to listeners at home, please take the fucking notes. <laughs> Don't get defensive about the note. Yeah. It only makes you look insecure. Yeah. Um, it uh, makes the, you look so bad. Yeah. I, I lose know? a lot of confidence in, in, uh, and when people do that, uh, I lose a lot of confidence in improvisers when they do that. Yeah. Uh, and it, it happens in all, all, not, not in just an improv and, you know, writing, I, I, I write, I have like a pilot writing group and I don't think that's ever happened or sketch or whatever, but you know, people be like, yeah, they gave me a note and I just don't, I just don't agree with it. I don't want to hear like, I shouldn't get what I'm doing. You're like, yeah, you look like an idiot right now. Yeah. Uh, like I, you know, I, I, I hear notes on for sketches probably more frequently, but like people give me all kinds of notes and things that I don't, I think are bad notes or like wrong directions. And you know, I'll hear it and I'm like, okay, well let me just at least take it in. Like mm-hmm. maybe they mean, maybe they do have something great there. Or like maybe I'm just not understanding it and not, not, reflecting on any note you're giving is a is a really a detriment to you i yeah. think yeah yeah i think so too um and it just go yeah it, it makes me go like you know if if you're not capable of being vulnerable and and taking a note in your you know off the stage you yeah. know uh are you ever going to be able to be vulnerable and and you know on the stage as well yeah um, plus like, you know, another thing you can do is just listen to the note in your own brain. You can go, I don't agree with this and yeah. then just never use it. Totally. You know, you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, I think I, and I, yeah, that's a, I think that is a fair way to approach at least some of it. Just go like, yeah, that's not quite for me. Yeah. I totally hear you. That's not quite for me. Absolutely, man. You know, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, I mean, uh, some other stuff I think about like, uh, how, how about side coaching? Yay or nay? What do you think? Uh, I love this scenes. question because the, uh, I think side coaching is such a divisive thing. Yeah. For, some people hate it. Yeah. Um, Improvisers or coaches? Actually, both. Both probably are like, well, some yep. people really hate getting side coached. Some people really like it. Yeah. Some people really hate doing side coaching. Some people really love it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to do it from, so the first thing I, I, I always oh, yeah. ask a coach or I'm sorry, an ensemble, like, yeah. do they mind? Yeah. Cause I've had people flip out on me for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people flip out. Um, and which, which is, you know, yeah. That's a whole I, also, if you're flipping out on coaches <laughs> during side, like, have a good career. Good luck. Yeah, ex- examine. Yeah, <laughs> examine yeah. what your goals are. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, one thing that I think is the difference between good side coaching and bad side coaching, and I've certainly That's done both. Yeah, is um, I think it's important to point out to the players what they've set up mm-hmm. for the expectations to the audience yeah. versus what you, the coach thinks should happen. Yeah. You know, God, yes. And I think like, I think it's important yeah. to go, okay, players, you've promised us the audience through your setup that this was going to happen. Right. And you didn't pay it off. Yes. How can we pay it off versus going, guys, this is what I, I would do. Right. This is what I think you should do because this is what I think, you know, like right. it, it's a, it's a thin line. Yes. Uh, I super agree with that. Uh, it's, um, uh, yeah, I think, I, I gave a note not too long ago there. They had a funny thing. Their funny setup was something just about a store that was silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very external, but they were having a fun time with it. It was working. And then they stopped it. And I was like, hey, guys, like you 
what was funny in that scene? What did you start doing? Yeah. Uh, what did you like? And it was silly store. So just do some more of that. Like don't, it, it became something about budget and then yep. like come in and what and it had nothing to do with anything. I was like, so you've lost your thing. Go back to doing that thing. Um, as opposed to going like, well, you know where the silly store should go now? Like now I need you to have a, a wacky bouncy balls. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that those notes are very, I think, I think they're like kind of bad in a way. Cause mm-hmm. it, um, one usually, a good coach or a decent coach or you know what? No, not even, you don't have to be a good coach. You have the opportunity to sit on the sideline and write it and watch. Uh, so your specific will probably be better. Yep. Uh, and so when you go like, oh, I would have done this, it makes them go, fuck, it wasn't funny enough to do that. I wouldn't have come up with it. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not necessarily like the specifics that matter. It's the yeah. process that matters. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and what you are, what you're promising, you know, um, it, it's still all setups and, and payoffs. Yeah, you know? totally. totally. Um, and, and if you're telling the audience, hey, guys, here's our setup, and then you don't follow what you set up or don't recognize it, then there's a sense of unsatisfaction. Yeah. Um, I also like to, I think vocabulary is important as well. Okay. Um, meaning, um, when I coach, I like to differentiate between a note and a pitch. Uh huh. Um, so, oh, yeah. so I'll even say like, um, you know, this isn't, I'll let a, uh, or, or I'll even say like, guys, I'm just going to direct for a moment. Like, yeah. this is not a note. This is what I'm just going to direct or, yeah. Um, I'll be like, this isn't a note. This is a pitch. Right. Um, this is me saying like, Hey, how fun would it be? If you know, this is my idea. If I were in the scene, right? And and I think the benefit of that is to help them see the possibilities, right? Um, I, yeah, I have I yeah. do a similar thing sometimes. I'm like, this is uh, this is a writer's note. It's a note that I think maybe it's it's hard to make this choice right in the moment. That's great. But maybe this is a way that if I'm writing the comedy of the scene, I'd want to do it better. Not so it's like, oh, you fucked up that choice, but just That's start smart. thinking about the comedy a little bit more. Yeah. Of it. Uh, I think a, like a. a just a good a good example, like I, I think you even did one of those something like that last night, but it was just like, oh, this specific actually in a way undermines your game. Uh, oh, yeah, I know what here. I have a great one. It was like a guy uh, it, the, the game was uh, or like the funny thing was uh, the therapist sitting too close to his patient. That was mm-hmm. kind of the thing. Um, and then the guy chose to the guy who is the patient chose to be uh, his thing was. Uh, being afraid of people. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, a minor writer's note, I think that might not be a great choice because there is probably a therapist or an approach to therapy that would do that. Absolutely. It's a minor note and it's hard to make that choice right in the moment and you guys did fine with it, but that's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of like, and that's a great, that's another thing of like, Looking at hindsight at the like comedic value of yeah. of what your premise is and going like, oh, yeah, that especially in a world like therapy, right, where there are things that you do. Yeah. That immersion therapy or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like there's, you know, all kinds of like what could be construed as just unusual, wacky things that we do. And those are tough. Like and, and that's why I, I kind of like I liked I like saying notes are just having things like you're not on the hook for this note. Like I'm not. That's I'm smart. Not, like there are notes where it's like, you know, hey, you just chose to deny and be an asshole. You're that you're responsible for that. But some of it's just like, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's probably nothing you could do in that moment. It's okay. Yeah, totally. uh, it's easy to get demoralized. And I, I want to prevent that as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. That's a really that, that, that's a very thoughtful approach. I really like that a lot. Thanks, man. Um, what uh, I also noticed you don't take notes. I've, I'm a, a uh, take a lot of notes when I'm coaching or I guess not a lot. I do. Yeah. Um, what what's uh, I don't know. What's your what's your 
reason for that if you have one um I mean, probably you just remember it pretty well now i do um i i the only time i take notes is for full heralds i see um yeah and i take them on my phone um save the trees everybody um <laughs> but um because i sort of like i it's easy for me to to note I, I like writing down as I, I go along for the Herald, and it's such a big, it's such a big thing, and, and hard to remember everything. Right, but you know, for everything else, um, I think for me personally, it's really important for me to stay present yeah. in, in the listening process. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and even sometimes I find myself when um, when I'm noting Herald's um, because I'm so busy writing, I'm missing things. Yeah. And that happens I'll a lot. Say yeah. like, I do that a lot. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say like, Hey, I really think you should have said this. And they'll be like, I did say that. And I'll be like, I was writing. So that's probably, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I might have, it. I don't know. Cause you're well, good you're, job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're, you're spending so much time trying. You're, you're still one beat behind when you're yeah, writing for sure. You're finishing a thought while this new thing is happening. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I, I want to, uh, talk to more people and develop more shorthand too for uh what i'm doing so i can like or notes uh of just like understanding yeah uh, a lot of if, one example of this uh that sometimes doesn't work as i use i abbreviate everybody's name to the first letter uh, but that's very frustrating if people have if there's like three g's on a team oh yeah which happens all the time yeah <laughs> I'm like okay uh blah, blah, blah. somebody did a walk on here that was crazy yeah you got <laughs> yeah. greg garrett and gina all on the same team <laughs> like one of you yeah. uh <laughs> yeah uh okay great um and then i guess we'll kind of we'll start uh closing it down here uh what's something that uh, we're going to go, we're going to do the inverse of this question. So don't be too alarmed, but what's something that you hate seeing in improv or something that, uh, bothers you when you see it? Oof. Um, something that bothers me when I see it, um, in general, um, I, I honestly, there's so much, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's much. probably true for almost in, yeah, anybody who's been seen in it, it for yeah. a while. You're like, Oh God, there, there's things you see that yeah. are, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> one thing that I'll say is like, um, I, I hate when I see, um, like ensembles that are, are not, are, 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 are playing into like improv cliches too much okay. i guess what's uh what's one of those cliches like come in here you're fired type of thing or no uh, well yeah that, i mean like something like that but more important like so i'll give you i'll give you an example i'll mm -hmm. give you one of the examples that that bothers me the most because mm -hmm. I've, I've seen it so many times and and i've actually given rococo this note many <laughs> times um so if somebody comes downstage at ucb franklin mm -hmm. uh to speak um breaking the fourth wall I hate it when the rest of the ensemble goes into the audience and sits down. Oh, really? And to like ask questions. That's interesting. Or, yeah. And because I'm like, you could create a new trope and a new stage picture for, you know, like, don't, right. don't think just because this is how other teams have been doing it. Right. Show me a new stage picture because anybody that's been watching improv, like now this is starting to look like a template, right. starting to look like a formula for a scene. Interesting. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, what's another way that we can still rep, you know, if it's Do a that type of thing, yeah, but if it's a yeah. press conference, 
I bet you we can find a, another way to show that stage yeah. picture, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, one, uh, I'll just add to that. One of my uh, nightmares I feel like I see a lot in improv. Uh, this happens much younger teams generally, but it'll be like a presentational thing. People go into the audience. The rest of the team goes in the audience to like be questions or whatever. Uh, and then for some reason, like one person stays and tags out the person. And then like nine people who did not do anything when they went and sat in the audience, like move back on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, Oh man, just yeah. so much wasted effort. So, much. Like, I know. so distracting. It's I know. so distracting when somebody comes out and sits next to you, you're like, Oh, this better be good. And then nothing happens. Yeah. I've seen it a handful of times. And it's so, it's such a nightmare. I feel bad for him. Yeah. You go, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Uh, okay, so what about the end verse? What's something that you love seeing in improv or something that you, when you see it, it, like, it really impresses you? Mm. Um, attention to detail um, always impresses me. Um, people being like, I guess, I guess authenticity is what I'm always drawn to. Mm. And that sounds so pretentious, but... Um, I think that there's got to be a there, there's so many different elements that goes into a great scene, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I think we can veer a little bit too far in one way or another. Like, like for example, I love playfulness, right? Right. Everybody loves playfulness, but sometimes playfulness can outshine the scene, right? And then, and then I I don't know what I'm watching. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, or on the other end of it, you know, sometimes authenticity or sometimes you know, groundedness can be too much. And then, and then right. we don't have the playfulness and it's a little bit dramatic, you know? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I think there is, um, uh, I heard this turn term coined. I heard it secondhand, so this may not be right, but I heard it from Matthew Brian Cohen, I guess, as I calls it personality improv. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, like it's that thing of like, look how much fun we're having. Yes. Uh, and sometimes I that so gets frustrating when you're just like, yeah, yeah. I know, but like, you're not, I'm not having fun watching you have fun. I know. Uh, it's true. It's true. And there's, a, it, like you said, there is a line to walk there. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely, I, I love it when people have fun. Like I, I think of like even Jim Woods, you'll see him be silly or screw with somebody. Yeah. Uh, but you know, also moments later, you definitely see him take it very seriously Being and very try committed. And yeah. yeah. Uh, and there, there's a line to walk, but man, sometimes it's just like, Oh, you guys are having so fun. So I much know. Fun. I get it. Yeah. In general, <laughs> in general, I think like, uh, I try to do improv that doesn't look like improv, right. you know, because um, when you go to an improv show, it's you, you get this like I think people get this idea of a bunch of monkeys in a barrel just fucking jumping all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, yeah, <laughs> you know, we want to break those stereotypes of the art form and show people that this can be just as yes. funny and interesting and compelling as a stand-up show or a play or right. anything like that. You know, right. I think, um, you know, I was talking about this the other day and, uh, my dad, I was talking to my dad and he has even, uh, uh, some respect for improv, but he did kind of make a joke that was slighting improv. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really have a problem with that because it is no. goofy and stupid sometimes. Yeah. But I was like, you know, uh, I, I think he, I think I like the conversation kind of turned into like, well, is stand up better than improv? And I was like, no, it's absolutely not. Mm -mm. The re but more people think that is because everybody has seen a great stand up, An amazing stand up set. Like even my, like, I'm like, even my stepdad who, arguably doesn't have a good sense of humor and has never said anything funny in his life. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he loves, he loves Bill Ingvall, 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 Ingvall yeah. yeah, loves him. He thinks he's great. And like, 
yeah, that's a great comedian. I get why I get why he can still love him. But, you know, he or like my dad, they've probably never seen or most people haven't seen a great improv show or a great. And they've and if they know of it, they have the idea of, oh, it's like they fuck around or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we want you. We want you to be. uh, You know, I think that's kind of maybe the message I feel like is like represent it like it's the great thing that it is. And as opposed to like it's, you know bunch of fucking knuckleheads <laughs> totally <laughs> you know? totally yeah uh, like it's the it's yeah i mean when very rarely when people around the country are going to see improv they're they're not going to see neil casey and zach woods right they're you know? yeah very rarely seeing the top caliber exactly yeah. and and um i think that yeah i think that there's there's you know there's trends in improv that um just like there are in stand-up, you know, it's it's like the joke of like uh, airplane food or right. New York versus L.A. Like those right. sort of. But there's that exists in improv as well. Yeah, and I think um, you know the more that we all challenge each other and ourselves to not fall into those those improv-y traps. Yeah, uh, I think the work will be lifted. Um, you know, more and more. Hopefully, I agree. Yeah, I like it. All right, last bit. Pearl of wisdom, note or piece of advice or feedback you got in your improv career uh, that was important or stood out to you or thought was very impactful. I don't know. Anything like that. Um, I love telling this story. So I'll tell this story. (laughs) Um, This is uh, a note that I'll never forget. And it's also uh, done in a way that I'll never forget. And uh, so this was my very first 401. Okay. So I think the 401 that I took with you with Billy was like my fifth or sixth 401. Oh, I took shit. a lot of 401s. Okay. You went this ad- back in the day when you like advanced at that point though, right? Advanced didn't exist yet. Oh, really? Remember? Uh, no, I don't I know if you know remember that. before that. Yeah. It was 501. And it was all electives. Yeah. And they just wanted you to take a bunch of 401s. Really? Yeah, okay. Like, interesting. At that point, everybody was taking like four, five, six 401 classes. I see. And that's interesting. Yeah, I think because I well, I I knew that you could pass or fail or get into advanced or whatever. And I remember like you were in it and like Rosenberg was in it. Uh, There's some good good people. And I think maybe they had done it before. But also, I get I guess I was just like, I mean, fuck, if they're not into the advanced thing, then what the fuck am I doing? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So sorry. Yeah. 401. First one, I believe. My first 401 was with um, a really hilarious dude um, named Owen Burke was the teacher. Um, I think was he former. AD was he AD of LA before Seth Morris? I feel like that's true, but I it was sure so either. before my time yeah. that I'm questioning it. But I do feel like that is correct. God, he is such a good teacher. Was such a good teacher. Um, yeah. uh, and he was my 401 teacher, and and um, I did this really awful scene. <laughs> and um, after the scene, um, and this would have been in like I think 2007. Um, after the scene, he asked me um straight up he just goes um james let me ask you something um do you think you're funny um and i was like uh you know i i don't know i'm just here to learn you know i I just (laughs) want to learn i'm just here to take classes he's like i just don't want to answer this question who does who does you know and um and he was like, yeah, I get that. But do you think you're funny? Do you, th- do you think James is funny? Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
I don't honestly I'm I'm really I don't know I'm uncomfortable answering that question and so he goes okay great so um well uh, let's ask everybody else hey class um do you guys think James is funny oh my god um and the class being the sweethearts that they were um all raised their hand and was like yeah he's so funny you know like and um (laughs) and Owen goes like okay cool um, you know, yeah, you're, I think you're funny, James. They think you're funny, but here's the issue. Um, you do think you're funny. You think uh-huh. you're so funny and, um, it shows up in your work and the things that you say and the things that you do, you're, you're so pleased with yourself and how funny it is. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's making it a lot less funny. Um, and he was like, you need to bring more sincerity to your work. Yeah. And while, Maybe not always the best way to approach that lesson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Here, here I am almost 10 years later. I fucking remember it, man. Yeah. And the after after the class, uh, he left the entire class. Every single person in that class came up to me and was like, dude, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't. You handled that so well. Like, I was yeah. petrified for you. Yeah. But I remembered it. And and starting the next class, like I remember being like sincerity, sincerity, be sincere. And I still carry that yeah. word with me when I teach is like yeah. being sincere, being genuine. Something like that. I mean, I don't know. Like there is a I think that probably that approach only works uh, for certain people. Yeah. Uh, but because I, I mean, I, I saw somebody cry in an advanced class not long ago uh, after getting a note. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, boy. OK. Uh so uh, like, uh, so I think that only works, but man, yeah. When that, for the right type of person, I think that shit really sticks and you're like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I need that. I, I know. need that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I've never, I've never given a note that harsh in that harsh yeah. of a way. Yeah. But you know, I still, um, I think I've accidentally been that harsh before. Yeah. Been, it's hard. It's, it, I, I feel like sometimes I'm just like thinking quickly and honestly, and then I'll say something like that was tough. Yeah. That was a tough note. I'm sorry. <laughs> I definitely lost my cool or, or not, or my patience and said yeah. things like, come on, man, like you're way smarter than this. So like yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and normally it's because like, I really believe in somebody and they yeah. like, they let you down momentarily or whatever. It's e- Well, I mean, I do think too, it's easier to be tougher on people that you think are better. Like yeah. I've noticed that in coaching too. I'm like, I'm like, I remember a group that I was coaching last year, late last year, they were, I was like, man, I'm giving this person way harder notes than I'm giving everybody else. Yeah. And that's just, they're not even, they're not at the same level, yeah. but, uh, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Just expect more because you're good and you couldn't go farther with you could it. Go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's the that's the show. Uh, awesome. James, is there anything you want to share with the world? Uh, plug where they can find you on the Internet or uh, um, anything you want uh, people to go see? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, my Twitter handle is at jmaz1111. Um, <laughs> I had, I've had your email wrong for a year. I thought it was... Uh, one one one. I was three ones. Oh yeah. I've gotten so many Mailer Damon like failed oh, as things. So I was hilarious. like, damn it, what the fuck? Add that one more one. Yeah, one I'll get there. One. I'll get there. Same <laughs> same email since high school. Nice. Um and um I have a I have a web series that I do with my writing partner Drew Defonso Marks mm-hmm. uh called Two Bed One Bath starring yeah. Lauren Lapkus and Tony Charlene. Very good show. Um and you can check that out. Um. 
And Drew and I also have another Comedy Central sketch coming up that we're filming at the end of the month nice. about Bonnaroo. So keep an eye out for that. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, James, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah. That was James Mastriani. For more information on the things we talked about, including the show notes and key takeaways, go to boardwalkaudio.com forward slash improv obsession. There we'll have links to James' internet presence as well as mine. And you'll also have the option to support the show by shopping on Amazon, which is easy and free and painless for you. Uh, Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. Uh, You know, leave a little nice review on iTunes. We'd love that. Um, And, you know, people have been reaching out for coaching. Do that, too. Uh, as always, I'll end it with saying happy improvising. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit. Do you like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app.